Welcome to Godzilla Media. For some of you, it's the first time you've listened to a Godzilla Media podcast, and that's okay. We are a podcast network based here in upstate New York. We're telling stories about the great people across upstate New York right here on Getting There with Goss. But we've got other podcasts, too. If you're a sports fan, you love movies, you like professional wrestling, you like some comedy, some entertainment, and more, it's all across the Godzilla Media platforms. Check us out, GodzillaMedia.com. YouTube page as well to go back and watch previous episodes. But it happens because of our great partners. And if you love this podcast, you're a fan of the guests you're about to listen to, we ask that you go out and support these great local businesses like a family-owned and operated business in Wilton, New York, and that's Lily and David Fine Jewelers. I love these guys, the people that helped me through the process of buying the engagement ring, the wedding band, and more. If you've been looking for that place, whether you're engaged or you're married and you're not quite sure exactly what to get for her, Work with people who have been helping out the Capital Region for decades, and that's Lily and David Fine Jewelers. And how about this upcoming weekend, March 4th and March 5th, at their new location, the Shops of Wilton. March 4th, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., March 5th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., the wedding band event. You stop in, you buy a wedding band, you get the other wedding band for free. Or you could do a deal where you buy one wedding band and get the other one 40% off, whatever works best and in your favor. Lily and David Fine Jewelers wants to help you do it. I know it from experience. They're great people. Shout out to Alyssa and David and everybody over there who are helping out with the process. I got to see what's up to Jacob again too, man. He's a good dude. Lily and David Fine Jewelers at their new location, the Shops of Wilton, coming up this weekend. The wedding band event. Guys, especially for you prepping for a wedding, that's the place to go. The anniversary, whatever might be on the way, the holiday and more. It's Lily and David Fine Jewelers located at their new spot, the Shops of Wilton. Now, some of you might be prepping for the 2022 year already. Well, we're already into March. Some of you still might be looking back at 2021 and wondering, where could I have saved some cash? Well, call our guy, Jared Lozier at Northeastern Insurance, 518-956-3753. If you're going through your maybe quotes, numbers this year, and think, oh, could I have saved money there? Especially for the things that are important to you when you're talking about your insurance policies, your car, your home, something that's important, or maybe you're a small business owner. Those insurance policies, Jared is going to shop the market for you and save you some serious cash. It's so great to hear about people who have saved cash working with Jared. And don't forget, Times Union. We're talking about Northeastern Insurance being nominated and could potentially win, I think they should win, the best insurance agency in the capital region. If you want a free quote today, email Jared, J-A-R-E-D-L at N-E-Mail.com. J-A-R-E-D-L at nemail.com. You want a free quote? You want to save some cash this year? You work with a great guy like Jared Lozier. Cannot wait to hang out with him for March Madness coming up. It's going to be a great time. Shout out to Jared. I think he's a Duke fan. They just smashed my Syracuse orange. Don't hold that against him. Still email him. Jared Lozier, Northeastern Insurance. By the way, we're talking about saving money. We're talking about all these great things that are coming up in 2022. Some of you are still starting to fall behind a little bit on your taxes, and that's okay. For years, Alex Bodenzik at AVB Tax has been the go-to Relief for small service business owners who are stressed about filing taxes. And some of us maybe don't even know how if you're starting a business in 2021. That delayed start, that process, you might find yourself overwhelmed by all the paperwork trying to throw that a Hail Mary in the final few seconds. That's where Alex steps in and changes the game for you. I know from experience, from launching Godzilla Media, Alex Bodenzik has been my guy. Me through all the steps I need as a small business owner and continue to watch my business grow and make sure I'm doing it right. With him, Alex Bodenzik in your corner, you get that home field advantage. He's that team player that you can trust. Also, he provides those simple, tailored services with a quick turnaround time. My wife and I were stunned about how fast this got done. 
Nobody wants to get bottled down with taxes, right? Alex is going to help you through it. Passionate, professional, keeping that stress and your taxes to a minimum. Plus, all advice, services, and documentation are absolutely confidential. For a free consultation today, even save it in your phone is Alex Tax Guy, Gaz Podcast. Alex Tax Guy. Save it right now. 518-400-0282. Text miss well. 518-400-0282. Alex Bodenzeek, AVB Taxes. All right, let's get into it. This week's edition. Get in there with Gaz. Let's hear the story from Rich Becker. Let's do it. Another episode here of Getting There with Gaz, where we talk about the career journeys of media members, coaches, business owners, athletes, and more from upstate New York. Capital Region sports fans, our fans out in Rochester might know this guy, Rich <laughs> Becker, joins us. Uh, Rich, let's start way back in the beginning. Six, seven, eight years old, the young Rich Becker. Where'd you grow up, for those who may not know? What'd you want to be as a kid? And was it your same dream job you wanted when you were 18? Rotterdam, New York is the hometown. My mom still lives in the house that I grew up in basically from five years old until I moved out for college or whatever. Um, yeah, I went to Draper High School, which doesn't exist anymore. It's now a junior high school, part of the Mahonison, but uh, great school, you know, 80 kids type school. So everybody knew everybody. And it was just a, you know, filled with typical high school drama, but a really good place to go. Um, there was a teacher there, Marie Palmer. She was a journalism teacher. Um, you know, one of my favorites, uh, along with uh, Mary Janier and Florence Wasserman, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention both of those outstanding teachers who uh, were just fantastic. But Mrs. Palmer was our journalism teacher. And in eighth grade, I think we had to do uh, career reports. And uh, I've always been interested in sports and, and not as much a doer, like not super athletic, you know, would love to have been super athletic, but just not. Um, you know, kind of at that age, kind of a, just a fat, awkward kid. And, uh, you know, so I got involved in other things, figured out a way that I could do it right. You know, try to write for the newspaper whatever. We had to do career reports in eighth grade. And as a matter of fact, uh, if I had been a little bit more prepared, I would have actually had it sitting right here. My eighth grade career report <laughs> somewhere in my office down here, but it was radio and television broadcasting. Um, I spent a day with uh, Al Lombardo, who was uh, the sports anchor over at Channel 6 uh, for a while as a job shadow as an eighth grader to kind of get a sense of what it was. Man, that locked it in for me. You know, being at a TV station where there's all these bells and whistles and the cameras and people and, you know, it just it kind of locked it in that if, if I could do that, um, you know, public speaking, reporting, things like that and couple it with sports, which I really loved, uh, you know read the newspaper like it was my job. Um, you know, every Sunday it was up buying the Daily News, the New York Post, the New York Times, the TU, the Gazette. You know, I think we got the Nick News, which was an afternoon newspaper at the time because there might be different sports in there than was in the Times Union in the morning. So, um, yeah, it was just a passion. And, uh, you know, not a lot of people can say what they can tell you at sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, what they want to be and then be that. So I always feel like I was kind of privileged in that area that, you know, I had people that really supported me, um, you know, that encouraged me to, you know, to go ahead and do that, you know, right from high school and, and get involved 
um, you know, in different things, public address announcing, uh, you know, whatnot in high school uh, to kind of, you know, keep stoking the fire towards, uh, you know, the ultimate career. Yeah, Al Lombardo, by the way, to add some context here for those who might be listening outside of the Capital Region, he has now found his own following on the Dan Lebetard show by his nickname, where he claims he has the highest rated sports talk show in the history of sports radio. I won't put you on the spot to confirm or deny those ratings, but he goes by a nickname, right, for those who wanted to Google that? Uh, Yaffe was what he was yeah. here. Yeah, it was always Yaffe. Yeah, so in fact, a lot of people just called him Yaff. They didn't even call him, call him Al. One of the great stories about he was a guy – that, you know, Lombardo, you know, obviously a good Italian name and, and uh, he kept an electric razor on his desk. That's how often he needed to shave throughout the day. Like he would walk by and then you'd go do something else, come back, hit it again. So yeah, I, I always remember that being in the newsroom, like, wow, this guy shaves a lot. You know, me, I'm you know 57 years old and I probably have to shave twice a week. It's, uh, you know, so it didn't really resonate with me at the time. I just thought it was funny. So as much as you're watching the shavings happening and wondering about what your future might be, eventually they tell you, you do have to leave high school and you move on to the next level. Uh, what colleges did you consider going to? Did you attend college? And if so, uh, why did you decide on that ultimate path? Yeah, I did. I have always found in my life that if there's something that I really like, I can, if it's something that I really like and I'm passionate about, I can do okay in it or sometimes better than okay. If I don't really care for it, I'm probably not going to do that great. And I didn't really care for math and I didn't really care that much for a couple of other subjects. Um, so my grades weren't great. Um, I really, I, I looked at Emerson. I looked at Ithaca. Um, you know, I think I probably glanced at Syracuse for 30 seconds until I saw the sticker price, which back then was probably, I don't know, maybe $25,000, but that was so far out of range for me at that point that it wasn't even viable. But even if I had a gajillion dollars, it wouldn't have mattered because my lack of application in high school put me in a position where I wasn't qualified to go academically to go to a lot of those schools. You know, it wasn't that I was a bad student. Um, I, I really feel like it's a case of where I didn't apply myself, where I think had I paid, you know, better attention and worked a little harder in some of those classes that I just didn't enjoy, um, I might have been in a different position to be able to go to some of those schools. That said, sometimes things happen for the right reason. And I ended up at Herkimer County Community College uh, with Dave Shampoo and Cal Sokoloff as professors, who uh, Joe DiLorenzo, uh, who, in fact, um, a couple of years ago, um, the Herkimer got a new president. And I was I work at the University of Albany now. And um one of my colleagues was going out and she knew I went to Herkimer and said, would you like to come and represent you Albany at the president's inauguration out at Herkimer? So I got to do that. And lo and behold, because of the way when you line up, you line up in order of Sunnis when they were founded. I believe that's how it works. So it's Buffalo, then Albany. The Buffalo grad was Joe DiLorenzo, who was one of my all-time favorite professors at Herkimer. So we stood in line together for 15 minutes, just cracking jokes and talking about old times. And it was it was the best time. But Herkimer, was a, it was an awesome school. Unfortunately, they no longer have a radio TV program, um, but they had a phenomenal program led by, as I said, Mr. Shampoo and Mr. Sokoloff and just great professors who challenged you. Um, lots of hands-on stuff, which is one of the wonderful, wonderful things about a community college is, you know, and, and people put that stigma on a community college. Oh my God, you're only going to community college, which I just think is BS. Um, and I, I think you can learn as much at a community college as you can learn at a four-year 
uh, college, it, it, it's up to you to do what you want to do. And at Herkimer, I liked what I was doing. So I applied myself. So, you know, it was myself in our, our lab C that, that kind of, we worked well together, put together some, some really great uh, productions, uh, uh, two of our productions, won awards. So, you know, stuff like that, where, you really, you meet some people, a couple of my friends. In fact, this weekend I was in Olean, New York to watch a St. Bonaventure game with my Herkimer College roommate from 1983. Um, and by the way, we are still telling the same jokes today that we told in 1983. So, um, and doing the same setups and it's like, oh, I knew that one was coming because it's only 50 years old, you know, but it really was a great school. And, and for people that either have an academic challenge like I did, uh, and which again was my, of my own creation, or if you're just not sure, 100% sure what you want to do, I highly recommend a community college route. And a lot of the community colleges are getting away from that community college name because it, there's that stigma involved. You know, I, you know, if I go to community college, I must not be smart. And that's not the case at all. So you're seeing schools get rid of community college. You see SUNY Adirondack, um, uh, other schools that are like that. I'm drawing a couple blank on it. SUNY Onondaga instead of OCC. Yeah, SUNY Onondaga, exactly. Uh, SUNY Schenectady is another yeah. good example. So they're just making it a two-year college instead of a four-year college, but it has all the same, the system has the all same name, which I think is a really smart thing to do because it, it removes that, hey, I'm, I'm going to college and that's all that matters. It doesn't matter whether it's two, four, 10, make any difference. I'm going to college and I got a lot out of Herkimer. I was, and and, and I, I'd like to think Herkimer got a lot out of me. I still stay in touch Rob Fowler is the executive director of the Herkimer County Community College Foundation. We talk three, four times a year. And, uh, um, you know, I still try to stay in touch with the college. Now, you mentioned production there. At Herkimer, were you getting on-air exposure? Was it behind the scenes? What type of opportunities were happening there at your time? All of it. Yeah, you got all of it. Um, we we did uh, like a public affairs show called Kaleidoscope. That was that was kind of uh, the, the the senior project, if you will. Uh, that you worked on. But up into that, you were working on other people's projects. You were crewing other people's projects. You were doing, um, you know, stories. Uh, we came to uh, Albany to do a story on how the New York State lottery money is sent out to education and understand that better. We went to Eden, Eden, I think Eden, New York, which at the time was the only metal kazoo factory in New York, in, uh, in the United States. We did a story out there on kazoo. So uh, went to a Russian monastery, uh, like north of Herkimer, uh, and did a story there about this beautiful, you know, uh, architecture and this paintings. Uh, so it really took us a lot of cool places. Uh, and again, a lot of the people that I still that I did those projects with are our friends today that, you know, I talk to on on a on a semi regular basis or we get together, you know, every once in a while. So, you know, it was a really cool experience. My goal in going to Herkimer, though, was to get my two year degree and then move on to a four year college. That was that was kind of the goal that my parents and I talked about as we were getting ready to go there. And, and, you know, that was something that ended up working out for me. And a nice little segue for me right there, setting me up like we're on a broadcast together again, right? <laughs> uh, Plattsburgh is that next stop. Why Plattsburgh is that four years college you decide on? Yeah, just uh, at the time and still to this day was an extremely highly regarded uh, radio television uh, production, uh, just as school in general for, for broadcasting. Um, you know, again, SUNY school, so it's affordable for me. Uh, that was not, you know, Syracuse, even, even if I could have, and, and, you know, my, my grades at Herkimer were pretty good um, with one exception, but uh, they were pretty good. And so I, I may, maybe I could have gone on to some of those other schools that I mentioned uh, from a grade perspective. Uh, I know there was a couple of guys uh, uh, that went uh, directly from my class, uh, 
one guy I can think of in, in specific that went to Emerson and has done just phenomenal work, like major award-winning work, uh, you know, in, in using his two-year degree to springboard him to a four-year degree and then into some really, some really high-level work. Plattsburgh was affordable for me, and it was also, at the time, to my knowledge, was the best uh, broadcasting school of the SUNYs. Now, my colleagues and my friends who go to SUNY Oswego would probably uh, dispute that. Plattsburgh and Oswego dispute a lot of things, especially when it comes to hockey. Uh, but uh, I feel like Plattsburgh was the right place for me, uh, and that ended up being the case. It was a, it was a great two years. Um, I got you know heavily involved in in television production. Um, Jim Carr, who is the principal at Carr Hughes production on Sar- out of Saratoga, who has done multiple, multiple, multiple Emmy award-winning work for NBC, produces Saratoga shows, a lot of track and field stuff, uh, has been to multiple Olympics, uh, was in the class ahead of me, uh, to give you an indication of, of the caliber of people that are coming out of that are coming out of that program and still do Don Fertangelo, who was, uh, on, uh, NBC nightly news for a while, uh, back in, I want to say maybe the late. 80s, early 90s. Uh, she's a Plattsburgh graduate. So there's a number of people that have come out that have done really well uh, in the business. And and those things kind of draw you there when you hear of, you know, of people. Um, obviously, Jim didn't draw me there. Jim was there when I got there. But I, I looked to him as a guy that, you know, really kind of mentored me along the way. Um, our team was the first to produce a road college hockey game. Uh, so Plattsburgh hockey is as you know, Plattsburgh's a relatively small town. Hockey is king. I mean, uh, you know, Plattsburgh state hockey, that's, you know, people live and die with that. And we were doing home games on a tape delay and the team made it in 80, 90, no, 80, what year was it? 86, 80, yeah, 86, 85, 86 season. They made it to the um, ECAC East West semifinals and it was at Elmira. And we're like, you know what, let's figure this out. Let, let's 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 load the van up and go on the road. And I'm, you know, when I say load the van up, I'm talking nowadays you could do it with a computer and two cell phones. I'm talking we packed a passenger van with three people and just full of equipment. Uh, you know, the three of us went out early and then the rest of the crew kind of followed behind. Um, but we worked with uh, a couple of public television stations. And as I said, nowadays you can go live from anywhere you want in the world. Back in 1986, we had to figure out how to get our our stuff back from Plattsburgh, from Elmira rather, back to Plattsburgh. So we ended up driving it. So at the end of the period, we would drive the tape. We were on tape delay. Someone would physically drive the tape from Elmira to Binghamton, to the uh, PBS station in Binghamton, about two hours maybe, drop the tape off. Binghamton would send it, I think I've got this right, to Syracuse. Syracuse would send it to Watertown. Watertown would microwave it to Burlington. And Burlington would microwave it back to Plattsburgh, our PBS affiliate, which was in the same building where our academic building was, where our PSTV, which is what we called it, uh, our PSTV studios were. They would route it into our signal and we would air it. And it was a great plan. We had two crews to run tapes. We had it all figured out. No problem. The, The first period crew runs the tape. The second period crew runs its tape. By that time, the first period crew is back to run the third period tape. Everything's good, except the first period crew got lost. So the so the first period aired, I think, at ten o'clock. The second period aired at about ten fifty or so. You ten fifty five. The third period aired at ten after one. (laughs) (laughs) Never got there, so we left people hanging. But it 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 was a great experience. It was fun being on the road. Uh, You know, great group of guys and and women as well. 
And uh, we stayed on the road. We went to Rochester. We did the East-West final, which Plattsburgh ended up losing. But uh, just a great experience. And, and uh, you know, I, it's, it's obviously something that I remember very clearly, uh, you know, as, and very fondly about uh, my experience at Plattsburgh. You're making these memories. You're getting this experience. You're having yeah. fun because you're doing what you like and can't believe you're actually getting these opportunities at the college level. It's these great moments that people really enjoy building their career, the early stages for sure. Now, as much fun as you're having and the memories that you're making, they eventually do kick you out when you're a senior and say, here's your diploma. Thanks for coming. You got to go get a real job now. Uh, what's that process like for you senior year where you've got to hit the real world? Are you able to land a job in the field that you want? Do you have yeah. to wait a little bit longer? Take us through that postgraduate spot of how you're doing your best to land a job in this field. Well, God bless the people that are the residence hall directors at Plattsburgh, because I was an RA my second semester of my, well, I was an RA my entire senior year, but second semester senior year, I got a full-time internship at WPTZ, which is the NBC station in Plattsburgh. Uh, worked with Tim Singer. And if anybody out there is a sliding fan of any kind, bobsled, luge, skeleton, you know Tim Singer. He's one of the best in the business uh, in doing that. You'll know that name. But uh, Tim was a sports director there, and I did uh, an internship with Tim and Tom Karen. Tom is now the pregame show host for, uh, and has been for a while, for all the Red Sox games on Nesson, and also does college hockey. So, you know, worked with some, some two really good teachers, really good teachers. And so I did my full-time internship there, basically working Monday through Saturday as my intern, and then Sunday was my RA day. So, and that's just the way it worked out. And you just, you know, when you're in that mode and that's what you want to be, and you've got an opportunity to go and be there, I was there as much as I could be there. I mean, I would show up at seven o'clock on a Sunday morning to go to Lake Placid and shoot ski jumping and then drive over to Burlington at, you know, for a seven o'clock UVM hockey game and then drive way faster than anybody should be driving in uh, in the winter in Vermont uh, to get back to the ferry so you could catch the ferry across Lake Champlain and get back to Plattsburgh because that's where I lived. If you missed it, it was an hour drive up around. You had to go up to the up to the bridge and go across the bridge and come back down. So, you know, but you would do that and you would say, you know what, I'm, I'll be here tomorrow. Let's do it again. Just because it was so much fun. And, and that was always our, our motto up on the wall. We had just go was our motto back then. And, you know, you didn't ask, you just did it. You know, you just went and did it. And it was a blast and tremendous experience. But then graduation came and they didn't have any openings. Um, so I came back here. I was working for Price Chopper, had been working for Price Chopper since I was like 16 years old. So I kept that job, uh, worked that. Also at that time, wrote to Steve Shapiro and Ed O'Brien over at Channel 10 and said, hey, you know, you guys, you know, you need a PA, you need some help, you know, or whatever, you know, trying to force my way in. And, and they didn't need anybody. But the news director, whose name was John Terrell, said, we do need a news assistant. Are you interested? So I said, of course, because I can get myself into a newsroom. So for the princely sum of $5 an hour, I was uh, a, a, a news assistant at Channel 10, uh, which basically meant I was doing a little bit of writing. Um, Chiron, which is the, the machine that puts the people's names on the screen or puts the scoreboards on the screen. Um, did that for a while, really liked it. Um, got to know the sports, you know, Steve and Ed kind of let me hang around a little bit and, you know, and look and watch. Um, got a call from my old intern station in Plattsburgh. Hey, we're looking for news assistants. Do you want to come up here and do that? And I'm like, well, that's kind of what I'm doing now. So, and my girlfriend lived in Plattsburgh at the time. So I'm like, why not? You know? So I went up there for same thing, $5 an hour doing all the same thing, you know, production assistant, you know, whatever, whatever needed to be done. And then Tom Karen got a job and they said to me, uh, we've got two openings. Um, we've got, we need a photographer 
and we need a weekend sports anchor, weekday sports reporter, both full-time jobs. Um, which are you most interested in? So, of course, I mean, I, I want to be a sports anchor. So I jumped on that one. So my $5 an hour job went from $5 an hour as a news assistant. I now was an on-air talent and reporter working Saturday, anchoring Saturday shows, two shows on Saturday, reporting during the week. We didn't have a show on Sunday for $4.50 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so I always joke that if I got overtime, which I didn't get, but my overtime rate in my TV job was less than my regular rate at Price Chopper. So these are the things you do if you really want to get in the business and you get in the business for the money, you're absolutely in the business for the wrong reason. And it was, you know, the two years I spent at Plattsburgh and then um, moved over for an opportunity to anchor uh, Monday through Friday at 11 o'clock over at WCAX, the CBS affiliate over in Burlington, wouldn't trade those for anything. Like if somebody said, you can go back and do it all over again and you can start at ESPN, I would say no, because the experience that I got the people that I met, I should have met, mentioned George Como as well, who is a, a multiple, multiple time Vermont sportscaster of the year. And, you know, just what I learned from these people helped me become better at my next job and then better at my next job and then ultimately better at my Fox job, uh, you know, when I was in a leadership position. Yeah, you're grinding at it. You're going through these yeah. things. You're learning. It's all the fun stuff that's happening in somebody's early career getting paid, although not a lot, but you are getting paid right. to do this. Uh, I, I remember you. And from Rochester, like, here's the wild thing about this, right? Like, you're talking about all these experiences you're able to build from both having local connections and your college connections. And a lot of people, when they have that happen, they might say, you know what? I'm comfortable. Like, this is good. I know the people. I know the areas. I have contacts. I have sources. I don't want to go. What brought you to Rochester? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a situation, to be completely frank, and I, I want to preface this by saying this guy is still one of my good friends today. We still talk on a regular basis, but my boss in Burlington and I did not necessarily always see eye to eye. We are both kind of type A's and that doesn't always work well together. So I was just looking for another opportunity. And also he was really good. So I knew unless he retired, I wasn't going to move up. I wasn't stepping over him. He was, he was better than me. So, you know, and, and it wasn't, I could, you know, like you say, if somebody's better than you, you just try to out, you know, work harder and get better. It just wasn't going to happen. He had a lot of experience. He was extremely well-known in Vermont. He was really good at what he did. Um, you know, people respected him. He had great contacts. So I needed to move and expand if I was going to do something. And literally, I think it was media line or some place that you find jobs W-O-K-R in Rochester popped up, which now is W-H-A-M. Um, and it, I applied just like anybody else did and, and you know, got an interview and, and you know, went out, did the interview. It went, I thought it went really well. Uh, this is actually kind of, it's, it's a sad story, but it's also a funny story. It's sad because of, uh, well, you'll see why. But uh, I went out there, I, I did the interview. It was a, um, uh, a Monday night football game for the Bills it happened to be the, the day that I was out there on that Monday and spoke with Mike Catalana, who is still the sports director there, Steve Sinusel, who still works there, uh, you know, in, in a different capacity, but spoke with them, really felt like the interview went well, talked with Ann Abraham, who was the news director, talked with some other people, felt great about the interview and, uh, you know, went to the parking lot after Mike's like, listen, I don't make the ultimate decision. But as far as I'm concerned, man, you got the job. I mean, this is going to be great. We're going to have a great time together. We're going to have a lot of fun. So I'm like, cool. So I, I go, I don't even know. I think I drove back to Burlington that night. And and the news director said, I'll call you. I'll call you in the morning tomorrow. And we'll talk over a couple of things and, you know, whatever, just kind of the, you know. 
So the morning comes and goes and nothing like it's 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. And, and my girlfriend, who's now my wife, I'm freaking out. Cause I'm like, what did I do? What happened? You know, we were going to talk in the morning. It's three o'clock, four o'clock. So finally, I think it was about three 30. I called knowing if it gets too close to news time, I'm going to, that's going to be dumb. So I waited and the news director called. She's like, yeah, can't talk to you now. I'll talk to you, talk to you later. And that was it. It was, it was very curt. And I'm like, how could I have possibly screwed this up between leaving the station, you know, and going to wherever I went, come to find out. Um, she called me the next day and said, listen, and this is the sad part. Um, last night, I'm not going to say the place, but last night at such and such a bar, there was a shooting during the bills game and three or four people died. Uh, and we were wall to wall on that today. And that's why I couldn't talk to you when I was short with you. Um, so, you know, it, obviously that's a really sad and unfortunate reason but certainly understandable why there wasn't time for me that day. You know, and that's, you know, news comes first, obviously. So then she did, you know, said, we would love to have you come out here. Let's talk about contract and so on and so forth. So, you know, that brief, you know, kind of freak out there when you don't, you know, you're not hearing from someone because you, you think you, you know, you know, think, Oh my God, I got this. And then, Oh my God, I don't, I screwed it up somehow. You know, remember that always something more serious can happen. So it's not necessarily something that you did. Sometimes it's just some kind of circumstance that slows down the process a little bit in this case, very unfortunately. Yeah. I'm glad you shared that story because some people would have felt weird about doing it. And I'm sure it felt uncomfortable while you were doing it, but that anxiety that happens, whatever job you're going for, whether it's in sports television, whether it's in radio, whether it's writing, owning a business, getting a promotion, Everybody, especially now in 2022, are looking down at their phones like, I can text them, I can call them, I can leave them a voicemail. It yeah. consumes you. Yeah. No matter what is happening in someone else's life, because you're going for an opportunity to advance your career, those yeah. things consume you, whether it's a 24-hour period or a week period or a month. That just yeah. happens. So I'm glad you had that same feeling and shared it of like, yeah, it's consuming me. It's eating me. I'm looking at my phone. Probably not the phone yeah. back then. But you know, you're feeling yeah. those emotions and stuff. Uh, this timeline... Been. Phone back then would have been up at this big, by the way. <laughs> That's right. No, and, and I think one of the one of the one of the things that came out of all of that was I got a better. It helped me get a better perspective that this is important to me, but it's really only important to me. You know, there are bigger things, and and obviously this was something that was much much bigger and much much more important than anything that I was dealing with at that time. So I thought that was a really kind of cool way to to it. I'll say cool way. It, it provided me with some perspective, some important yes. perspective. Un, you know, unfortunately, it, it was you know a tragic situation, but you know it did provide me with some perspective that you know you have to understand that other times people, sometimes people have things that are much much more important. With all due respect to our friends up north in Plattsburgh and Burlington and everything else, this transition of what your daily responsibilities and what your focus is going to be on for your job is going to change because this timeline matches up with the dynasty of the 1990 Bills. So yep. you're going to one of the true NFL dynasties. We know how the Super Bowls end. We got all this. But for you on a daily basis, yep. like this, you're entering into a great time in the NFL. And again, for geography purposes, Buffalo, west of Rochester. But the Bills are the big draw there out in Rochester. Yep. Yeah, no, it was it, it was a blast. And, uh, you know, it's I, I wasn't there for the first one, but I was there for the second one, the third one, and the fourth one. Um, and because of the structure of our sports department, and I want to make it very clear, this is not a complaint in any way, shape or form. I'm not complaining about this. I didn't get to go to any of those Super Bowls. Uh, we had a three person department with two photographers. And one of the 
one of the, the guy who did go instead of me was also a photographer. Like he had good camera skills at the time that I didn't have. So it made more sense. He could report and shoot where I could just report. So he was much more valuable being there with Mike and Carl Shuba, who was our, our Bill's photographer and Tom Maloney, uh, who was our main photographer. And I would back at the station doing the rest of the stuff. So, uh, you know, great experience, you know, doing that and just kind of coordinating, uh, you know, all of this coverage of, of, of our Bills coverage of Super Bowls was fantastic. But, you know, during during regular season, every Wednesday we would go to go to Buffalo for what was called media day back at the, back then. And uh, that's that was the day to that Marv would be at the podium and Jim Kelly would be at the podium and sometimes other people would be at the podium. But otherwise, you'd be in the locker room with all the other players and, and, and you know, that you all the players that every Bills fan knows. And uh, it was great. I mean, you know, ca characters and stories. And yeah, there's a ton of those. But uh, um, it was it was unbelievable to be able to be there in the middle of that historic run for the Bills. And God, if that kick was just a little bit the other way, you know, what I mean, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen. But uh, um, the Bills have one coming, I think, with Josh Allen. I think this is this it's it's not going to be long. They're going to finally get that one. At, at times in your career, and other people have had the same moment happen where when a team locally or a team that you're covering is elevating their play, it feels like when you are covering that team, you have to elevate yeah. your style, your coverage, your professionalism, whatever way you want to describe it. Did you feel an added pressure to yourself? Like, this is a big deal where I am. I got to make sure I bring the best I can on this. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because, you know, our, the station that I was working for was in a strong competitor with another station out there. You know, we were really two super stations. And, you know, fortunately, the station that I worked for, WOKR, now WHAM, was a blowtorch in ratings. I mean, it was far and away the best station when it came to ratings. But our sports departments, because of the veteran presence, especially of the sports director at the other station, we were really competitive with each other. And and not like nasty competitive, but friendly competitive. You know, like if we're in the field together, we're talking, we might grab dinner together or something like that. But yeah, we want to beat each other on every single story. We want to make sure we have it right. We want to make sure we have it first. Um, you know, so, so there's, there's, there's definitely that, but yeah, you do really feel that responsibility, um, to do, a to, to do the job. And, you know, I've always been, you'll hear TV stations talk about ratings periods a lot, you know, February, July, November, um, just, I've never subscribed to that. And, and people that I've worked with, I, I fortunately, I don't think they have either. We subscribe to ratings periods are January through December. So you don't give more in February or more in May or more in November than you give in July. You know, you, it's just, it's just not the way. And I, as I said, I've been, you know, from Tim Singer to Mike Catalana to JJ Chaffee to Sean Farley. Uh, I've been blessed to work with some great sports directors that taught me that, that, you know, you give your all every day, you know, the viewer deserves that. And if you're not giving them that you're not only cheating them, you're cheating yourself. Um, you know, so, but that said, when you're covering something big, yeah, you feel like you, you know, I want to up my game a little bit here. I want to do something a little extra, you know, and, and, uh, you know, above and beyond what I would ordinarily do. And I think the bills brought that. And I would say the Rochester Americans brought that too, uh, from an AHL standpoint, you know, they want to call their cup while we were out there. And, you know, that was something that I kind of latched onto as my primary thing. We all worked and covered the bills and we all covered the Amherst as well, but, you know, my 25 year old daughter, when she was you know, one in a car seat, spent an awful lot of mornings at morning skates at the Rochester War Memorial, 
you know, waiting to interview, you know, John Tortorella or, or John Van Boxmere or Brian McCutcheon, you know, and the players, Jody Gage after the game, you know, after a practice or something like that. So, you know, you really, when you have the opportunity to do something, you really want to do it to the best of your ability. And this was my opportunity to do it. And I wanted to be as good as I could possibly be at it. I'm glad you brought the family element in the time you spend there out in Rochester because you spent 12 years, I believe it is, right? 12 years out in Rochester, right? So you're seeing the, the different ways in which your career is going and how things are happening. But as you mentioned, you become older and you build a family and different dynamics happen. So uh, take us towards the end of it. I, and I feel bad about skipping over this Rochester stuff because it's so important, but I feel yeah. like there's the segue here towards Albany of you spend your time out in Rochester. You've got new responsibilities, both in your personal life and maybe even professionally. Mm-hmm. And you want to, maybe you do or don't want to come back to your hometown. Take us through that transition of moving from Rochester back to the capital region for the opportunity you're presented. Yeah, it was always a goal to get back to Albany. That was always my ultimate goal uh, is to get back home where my parents were, where my family was. And, you know, and I give Roger Weiland over at Channel 13 a lot of credit. When I was this guy in Plattsburgh, you know, he would talk to me or, you know, I would ask him for advice or, you know, when I remember one time my dad and my sister and I went out when he was doing big board radio on location somewhere, we went out to watch it, you know, it was a, it was a big deal. So I, you know, I do give him a lot of credit for encouraging me to, you know, come back to the, you know, come back to, to Albany. Um, yeah, it was a situation where uh, I got asked, uh, uh, I, when WXXA first started as a station back in, let me get the math right here, 1990, well, as a news station back in 1996, I think that's right, 1996. Yeah, that has to be right. Um, I, I interviewed for the job and was a finalist for the sports director uh, there. Uh, that ultimately Sean Farley, who's a good friend to this day, uh, got that, uh, got that, well, I'm sorry, Blaine Applegate, who's also a friend to this day, got the sports director job. Sean Farley got the weekend job. Um, but I knew Kathy Gazda, who was the, the, uh, the news director at the time. And she, she had worked at channel 10 while I was there and we knew each other a little bit. So somewhere along the line, something happened and Sean and Blaine couldn't work, or it may have been after Blaine had left and Sean was a sports director and Sean Pergano was here. One of them couldn't work a weekend. And they said, hey, listen, would you mind coming down to fill in? No, not at all. So I came down, filled in, covered, I think it was a Firebirds game, which was a lot of fun, and a, a, a baseball game over at, uh, over at uh, um, geez, over by the airport. I'm drawing a blank on the name Heritage of the Heritage Park? Heritage Park, thank you. Yeah. Yep, it was uh, the Diamond Dogs, I think it was at the time, because uh, John Mueller, who's the coach at UAlbany, was playing for the Diamond Dogs <laughs> at that time, um, give you an idea of how long ago it was. But So I did a couple shows. I thought they went pretty well. And when... Sean Pergano left to go to NASCAR that a weekend position open. And there was a weekend position open prior that I ended up not being interested in. I just, it just didn't fit for me at the time. Um, And I actually, I think it was initially, um, but it was right around when my daughter was going to be being born. And they, I think they were starting August 1st and my daughter was born in, in like middle of August. So I knew it was going to be weird timing wise. And they're a brand new station and I didn't want to compromise what I could do, what I should be doing for them you know, because I really, my first priority was going to be home and with my daughter and, and my wife. So um, I, I don't even think I even applied for that, you know, uh, at that time. And it's a long time ago, so a little bit fuzzy, but I think that's the way it worked out. But again, when Pergano left to go to NASCAR, um, the weekend position opened up again. I had been at a seminar not long before that out in Rochester with all of our, our our news team. And it was kind of with consultants and whatnot. And one of the questions asked was who in the room, raise your hand, sees yourself as retiring 
in this position, in the position you're in right now, who sees yourself as retiring? And I was sitting right next to my boss who raised his hand. And at that point, again, similar situation to, to uh, Burlington, my talent is not going to take me to the sports director position over him, which first of all, I would never do that anyway. This is a friend of mine. So even if I did have the talent, I would never jump over a friend. That wasn't going to happen no matter what, because he'd been there a long time. He's still there today. He does a phenomenal job. He was a great teacher and mentor to me. It just wasn't going to happen. So my realization was I have two options here. I can work weekends for the rest of my life at this wonderful station with these great people, or I can look for a new opportunity. So I started to look for a new opportunity. The, the Albany thing opened up. It kind of put two things together that I wanted to do. The, the, a better opportunity to become a sports director and bring me, bring me back to my hometown. So I, I, I said, yes, I came home. I remember that day coming back, you know, I, I think I was, we were in Burlington where my, or in Vermont, where my wife was from and coming back home. And I got a call from Dave Brown, who was the news director at WXXA said, Hey, we'd like to interview you for this. Can you be here tomorrow? And I'm like, yeah, fine. I was going home anyways, but I remember having to run down to Rotterdam Square Mall and buy a suit because I didn't have one. I, that wasn't, you know, we weren't traveling with suits, you know, I was, we were <laughs> on vacation. So, you know, did the interview, went really well. Pretty sure I got offered the job on the spot. And just, I remember coming home and saying to my dad, hey, you know, I'm coming back home. You know, I remember how emotional that was for me, you know, to get back to the Albany area, something that I really wanted to have happen, be closer to my parents instead of being, seven hours away from my wife's parents. We were now three hours away from my wife's parents. So it did a lot of stuff for my family. It did a lot of stuff for me personally. Um, you know, and it was, it was just a great opportunity. And I also knew from talking to the sports director who was here at the time, Sean Farley, that this was not going to be his last stop. He had other plans. So I knew he wasn't going to be here for the rest of his life. So at least I knew the opportunity was there to move up into a leadership position at some point. You wanted to be there. It's your hometown. You mentioned that emotion that happens. You tell your family, I'm coming back. It's so cool to have that happen where you're just grinding at it and you're working at it. And sure enough, it happens. You're back in the capital region, doing what you love, covering sports, getting paid to do it. All these things are happening. And I'm sure there were moments where you were going out and covering capital region sport. You mentioned like this doesn't feel like work and no disrespect to the other spots I covered before learning about the teams, but now I'm getting paid to do something I've always wanted to do. And it's, I'm sure there was the, I'm pinching myself. I can't believe this is actually happening moments. For the most part, to be honest with you, from going back from my internship in Plattsburgh, were there times where there were frustrations? Were there times where I just wanted to say, you know what, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, absolutely. There were times like that. But the vast, vast, vast majority of times I felt like, I think I actually tweeted this one time. I, it was a beautiful day at Saratoga. And I said, I honest to God feel like I'm stealing money today. Cause it was just one of those days where <laughs> so more often than not, I felt like that, you know, yeah, there were tremendous frustrations of, you know, a, equipment breakdowns and things don't go the way you want, or just, you know, general frustration, you know, over work you know, that we all have every single day. I mean, I don't think anybody goes to work 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year and is thrilled to be at work every single moment that they're there. I think that's just, you know, I think that's realistic, but for the most part, um, you know, the people that you work with, you know, a lot of the people that I work with, you know, we still have, we have a group text um, that every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, every person that worked on our Fox 23 team from the very first person that was there with Sean Farley to the last person who was hired, Liana Bonavita, 
it's always, hey, Merry Christmas. I wouldn't have traded my time with you guys for anything. You know, everybody's back and forth. Yeah, it was great talking about old times. You get family updates. And, you know, so it, it really it really was a, a, a just a, a really cool, uh, you know, place to work and, and with cool people to work with. Yeah. It, you use the past tense right there. So it's a little spoiler for some people who may not be familiar with you. There comes a point in your career where you decide as great as this is, as much as you've strived for this opportunity, you're going to step away from your daily television responsibilities into a new role. Take us through what came to that conclusion that it was, was best for you to have this happen. We'll get back into this Godzilla Media podcast, but first we got to tell you about the people that make this podcast possible, like our friends over at Mohawk Honda. If you're looking for a new vehicle, whether it's here in the Capital Region or across upstate New York, it is worth the drive to Glenville, New York to find your new ride. I can tell you from experience, the 2022 Pilot EXL is sitting in my driveway. Why? Because I found out what fit my budget, my lifestyle, and more. Shout out to Greg Johnson and Cam McKenna, Lindsey Heron. I can run through the list of the great people I've worked with at Mohawk Honda. I want you to find out about them as well. Glenville, New York. You're looking for a new vehicle. That's the place to go. And people that you can trust during the car buying experience. And if you want to find out more about Mohawk Honda, make sure to follow them on their social media platforms. Whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just Type in Mohawk Honda and you'll find about the selection of vehicles and the personalities and the people that are there helping you get into a new ride. Don't forget, coming up here in March, one of our favorite competitions to watch at Mohawk Honda, the Plate Challenge. If you want to be entertained by the people at Mohawk Honda, you want to watch some healthy competition in March Madness, check it out. And also, Godzilla Media, LeVac and Gaz, myself and my partner LeVac will be live Thursday, March 10th. At Mohawk Honda, 4 to 5.30, there's the perfect time for you to get a new vehicle, Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. And our friends over at Johnstone Supply in Troy, it's never too early to start thinking about summer and AC needs. Call for some preseason pricing on John Goodman Furnaces. That's right. That 2% off that central AC unit. Yeah, Johnstone Supply in Troy still has it for you. I like saying this, right? The Fujitsu Mini Splits. Johnstone Supply has that in stock for you. If you've got any questions about that, 518-272-5922. 518-272-5922. Hit two. The guys, Tom, Kev, James, Rob, go right to them. can talk to them about Godzilla Media and more. Our friends over at Johnstone Supply and Church. Shout out to our guy, George, as well. Always doing big things. The best quality products at unbeatable prices. And remember, if you're a homeowner, that's mulling your options and you want to get hooked up with that best local contractor that can figure out your family needs, Johnstone Supply can do it. 518-272-5922. They've always got you covered. And as always, the lowest prices on Milwaukee tools guaranteed at 6th Avenue. You stop at a 6th Avenue, there's the prices you want. Winter project, spring already coming soon. You've got the place to get your tools as well. Johnstone Supply in Troy, 6th Avenue. Right there in Troy, New York. All right, let's get into this Godzilla Media podcast. Get back to it. There's a couple of reasons, and I think first and foremost is my kids were getting older. Um, you know, my daughter was, uh, in fact, I think one of the last things I covered was one of my daughter's lacrosse games, um, and I remember her scoring the 18th goal in an 18 to one win. And it, I don't, I don't remember if it was her first goal. I don't, I don't think it was her first career goal, but. I remember Liana was anchoring the weekend that weekend and I came back and she goes, what'd you get? And, you know, and I go, I got, you know, eight goals, blah, blah, blah. She goes, how did Katie do? I go, oh, great. She played at the end. She scored on a free position or, you know, whatever. And I go, yeah, so I'll cut this up for you. And I cut the highlights up for her and I gave her the shot sheet 
and she looks at the shot. She she goes, "Where's the rest of it?" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" And she goes, "Where's Katie's goal?" I'm like, "That was the 18th goal in an 18." She goes, "I am putting that goal in there. I don't care. We're putting that." In there. I'm like, well, I always remember that, and I appreciate that because you know you don't want to show favoritism or whatever. But uh, um, but yeah, it 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 was. I was starting to miss stuff, and that was bothering me. And the business was changing. You know, I mean, when I started as weekend person at Fox. I wasn't shooting at all at however old I was. I could do the math, but uh, I don't remember how old I was when I started. Right. But now I'm, you know, 49 years old and I'm literally out in the field with the camera almost every day um, just because the shift of the business. And, you know, we went from, uh, how do I want to say this uh, constructively and uh, respectfully? We went from really good management to management that, well, my mother told me not if I can't say something nice, not to say anything at all. So I'm just well done. It. You know, I'll, I'll do this um, instead, Rich. I'll I'll, I'll I'll do this instead because I had the graphic already ready on our visual side. You said, "Oh man, how guys get that up so fast?" I'll reset it and go like this instead. Uh, you are seeing some changes in local television sports. Let's just say so. Yes. Maybe that's an easier segue to this to get you out of some troublesome things you may or may not want to say. Hey. That's okay. It's a podcast. We do what you want. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you see as that change happening? Because maybe let's do a little broader then. Like you're seeing it now, and we're taping this in February of 2022. Yep. You start seeing some things that maybe are positive or negative. So let's present it like that. What are some of those changes that are happening for especially our younger broadcasters who are aspiring to do it? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot is a lot more is required today than was required back then. And that's not to say that I wasn't interested in working hard. You know, I, I, I think my records, I'll stand on my record on that, that, you know, hard work is not, uh, I don't have an issue with that. Um, but what it is now or what it was then was you go out, you do a story, you do a really good job on the story. You come back, you edit the story and, and you help out produce the show. You know, nowadays it's okay. While you're out there, make sure you, make sure you shoot a, uh, you know, something, a Twitter tease, make sure you tweet seven times while you're out there, pick up these four VOs uh, while you're out there. It's it just, there's so much more that people are required to do. I mean, look at the case of the poor woman that got hit by a car doing a one man band live shot. You know, I mean, that's right. You know, we, we had at Fox, we had rules that, you know, you no more, no fewer than two people on a live shot. And, and in that case, and if I remember this correctly, the, if the, only if the photographer could be literally within an arm's length of a truck. So if, if the camera had to be further away from the truck and he couldn't touch the truck, basically, then we had to have a third person, somebody to run the truck, somebody to run the camera and somebody to be the reporter. Now, nowadays, you don't use trucks anymore. It's all live view and it's all, you know, uh, streaming technology and whatnot. So that makes it a little bit easier, but this is kind of the stuff that we were starting to see like, uh, well, we're not going to have that position and we're not going to have that position. And, you know, uh, we're only going to have two engineers now to fix all the equipment instead of four. And, you know, so you start to see that stuff in layoffs and furloughs and things. And you just, the writing's on the wall that this is not going where I want it to go. Um, you know, so for me, coupling that with, the missing starting to miss my kid stuff. That was my time to go. That was what said, you know what? This has been 25 years of of absolute joy, but it's time to to move on to something else. But I think now you're you're seeing it today that it, there's just so much more being asked 
that the, I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want to, I'm not disparaging anybody in any way, but to be able to do a story, I'll use a, um, an example. Um, the, I don't know if you have a chance to see the union college story on Rick Bennett, the hockey coach. Uh, okay. Yes. That Leon, that Liana did, uh, over yeah. at channel 10. I don't have any idea how much time she put in on that, but it had to be just multiple, multiple hours, you know, 10, 15, 20 hours on that story. It was so well done. It was so well crafted. It was comprehensive. It was balanced. It was exactly what you'd want a story to do. In this day and age, you just don't always have the time to do that kind of story anymore. Because as an anchor, you're out, you know, as as the person who's anchoring the early show and the late show, in between, you've got to go shoot something. You know, so, you know, you've got to go shoot three basketball games or two football games or, you know, you Albany's playing at home tonight. So we got to go, you know, you got to go shoot that. So there's just simply not enough time in the day to be able to do that kind of in-depth story that I really enjoy. And that, that the guys that I worked with, you know, Scott Morlock, Brent Martineau, that, you know, that are our other two anchors that I worked with in the time I was at Fox, that they really enjoyed telling as well. Those in-depth where you dig a little bit, you get to know the subject. And you really do a, you know, you do a, a nice feature story on someone. There's just no time. There's still feature stories, but they can't be, they just, it's just, it's 24 hours in a day. You can't possibly fit it all in and really spend the amount of time. And I think if you asked any reporter in this market, you know, the last story you did, did you really get this, the amount of time that you wanted to spend on that to really do what you felt was justice to it, even though it was a good story? Could it have been better? And I think most people would answer, yeah, if I had more time and I didn't have to do these other 10 things in the course of a day, I could do a, I could maybe do something that was even better than what I did. Um, it's a gr- yeah, that was one of the things I didn't like. No, I'm glad you said that. I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, it's a great point because it seems like these larger media companies are trying to satisfy everybody at everything at every cost rather than, but you mentioned Liana's story. Yep. It works and the audience wants that. It's a huge story here in the capital region. And people respond to it and people want to see that stuff. And it's hard to, I, I don't know, again, this is a corporate thing or whatever it might be of finding that balance. And even to add to that, it this isn't unique to Albany. Like this stuff that's happening in local television is happening in multiple markets. And I'm glad you set it up that it wasn't here to discourage people who are looking at it. And just the truth of it. Right. Like somebody who's stepping into the market fresh out of college, whether it be Plattsburgh, whether it be Herkimer in 2022, is going to have far different responsibilities than what they had in 2002 in 2022 and you leaving television my we, we could run through the list here of double digit people who have done it within the last 18 months post covid because their responsibilities have changed and that's if anything the most discouraging part is that what is that going to look like five ten years from now i won't even ask you to predict that because i always joke around that predicting the future in media is the most dangerous thing will be tossed on freezing cold takes but at some point i think it's fair to offer this that there is going to be a breaking point of when you push everybody too far that content you're talking about is going to continue to be missed and left basically on the shelf that, man, we could have had this. And it's eventually going to continue to hurt these television stations products. Right. And I mean, I'm a firm believer that if you give people a really solid in-depth product, they will watch that. Uh, I'm not a news director. I'm not a news consultant. I don't have any data to back that up. It's just something that in my mind, I believe that. I hope we don't I, it's it's fortunate. It's very fortunate that that woman was not seriously hurt, but I hope that stands as a lightning rod for the media companies and something that that maybe that is the turning point. We talked about 
before we talked about like turning points and things that you see that, wow, that was really where, you know, this whole thing changed. Hopefully that's where it changes. And we get away from the multimedia journalist. There are some people out there that with a cell phone can just do wizardry and telling a story. But for the most part, it's hard to really do a great job if you're if you're one man banding because you you're thinking you have to think of everything. You have to be the person asking the questions, the person composing the shot, the person making sure that you've got all the angles covered, that you've checked all your sources. You know, you, you're really doing it all. And again, as I said, there are people that are very good at that, but I think we could do better in media if we didn't do that. If we went back to the model of the photographer does a great job at photography, the reporter does a great job of asking the questions and helping craft the story, and together they put together something that is a really solid, well thought out, um, viewpoints from each side, comprehensive story. Um, I don't know if we're going to get there because a lot of media companies just don't care about the quality. Um, I listened to a person who was in the business for a long, long time, sit there at the outset of YouTube and say, yeah, you know what? Quality doesn't matter. It's just, let's just get it up on YouTube. People, they don't care what it looks like. They just want to see it. And man, I just wanted to, I just wanted to scream because that's a lot of my colleagues were the same way. I'm like, I, you know, they can't believe that person just said that in front of all of us who take a tremendous amount of pride in what we do and developing a really solid, comprehensive and well-balanced story every single time we do it to say, yeah, whatever, just get it up there. You know, that, that's all that matters. You know, that's the, that was, that was a let's be first and who cares what the facts are type of attitude that I just can't stand. You know I mean? It's, yeah. So. Yes, it's it's a respect for the craft. It's people right. who put their time and effort in. It's being professional. Trust me, I've heard the conversations of if it's wrong or it's right, it gets clicks. Like right. you know, like that shouldn't be the attitude of that, and that's a whole different thing. But by the way, we we didn't mention we didn't say the word retired because you're not retired. Uh, you got a great <laughs> role with you, you <laughs> Albany. You're an ESPN broadcaster. So uh, how did it happen, man? We still see you on ESPN in this new. You know, we're kind of taking a shot at the old legacy uh, traditional media, as I call it. And here you are in non-traditional media world and people see you broadcasting games on ESPN. Yeah, it's fun. And I mean, I, I miss, I miss working with you and I miss working with Brian and, you know, we had a lot of fun and we definitely did um, in working with Charlie, but yeah. So just, you know, kind of uh, working at, at UAlbany, that's where my, my, my Monday through Friday uh, job is and uh, got asked by uh, Laura Remia, who was a producer over there of all of their, uh, their digital media. If uh, I want to do some play-by-play for women's basketball back when, She's, I think, Joanna Burnaby McNamee's first year here. So what is that? Six, six years ago. She was here two years. Colleen's in her fourth year. Um, and I've been doing it ever since. And it's a blast. Um, you know, great coaches. Uh, you know, they've uh, Coach Mack and, and Coach Mullen have both been phenomenally um, open and accessible for questions from a person who, you know, never played basketball. So I'm still learning the sport and, you know, working with you and working with Brian and Charlie and now Allie Jacks. I'm, you know, you just have to keep learning. And, you know, it really is a lot of fun to be able to do, and it keeps a toe in the water. And to be completely honest with you, the one thing I miss most about media is the team. Um, you know, I mentioned our group text and, and, you know, we stay in touch because that was a great team at many, many different levels. And, you know, um, getting the opportunity to work with Laura and, uh, you know, and, and just, and, and Rob and Scott McKay and, and that whole crew they're super professional and you feel like you're part of a team when you're doing that. And I enjoy being part of that team that all is pushing towards one goal, which is to have a a successful broadcast. And, 
you know, you know, we had a lot of laughs when we did it, but we were also serious about our craft. You know, we were serious about, you know, let's make this the best show we can make it tonight. And, uh, you know, so I think, I think that's a lot of fun. And and again, it it keeps me involved in sports a little bit and also keeps me, uh, you know, as part of a team, which I really enjoy. You're very humble here, Rich Becker. You and Allie Jacks are crushing it, man. As much (laughs) as I'd like to take credit for myself and Brian and Charlie, I feel like the tandem of you two uh, gives people what they want, which is exactly what you want, whether it's smiling, entertaining, good basketball. So I still call her Coach Jack, so I don't know if she still likes that or not, but she's killing it. So you guys are crushing it. So please check it out on ESPN3 and all the different locations you guys are on. Down, there's a nice shameless plug. Download the ESPN app so you can check out our guy Rich and Coach Jack over there. Thank you. I appreciate uh, it. Game, yeah, on, no game on Wednesday, so yeah. Yes, and you look, you're doing this time. like This is likely going to air at some point in March, so you're getting ready for the tournament and everything else. So I appreciate you carving the time out. So I'll let you go on this. It's getting there with guys. We're talking about career journeys. For someone who's listening to this, whether it is it, who knows, you all being a student who watches one of your games or Plattsburgh, what's your best advice now here in 2022 for aspiring broadcasters who want to follow the path that you did? I've said a lot of things today that would make be – construed as discouraging to people who are in there about the business. And, you know, that may come from my 57 year old, get off my lawn, you know, uphill to school, both ways attitude sometimes. But by and large, if you love sports, do this. If you love sports and you're not going to play in the NBA or you're not going to play in the NFL or whatever, then do this because this gives you a front row seat. Many Friday and Saturday nights, I literally have the best seat in the house for union hockey. You know, many Wednesdays and Saturdays, I literally have the best seat in the house for you, Albany women's basketball. I've had the best seat in the house for a Ryder cup. Um, This has taken me places that as a sports fan, I never would have thought I could go. That said, be prepared to work, be prepared to work long hours, be prepared to work for low pay be prepared to eat a lot of pizza and McDonald's with one hand while you're driving with the other, because that's just the nature of the business. It's, it's a go, go, go business. And just know that coming in, because if you know that coming in and understand that coming in, you'll be fine doing what you're doing. It's people that come in thinking that it's going to be this glamorous job where I'm going to anchor the six and then I'm going to go to a three hour dinner and I'm going to come back and anchor the eleven that end up being disappointed and end up getting jaded and end up, you know, saying, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not what I signed up for. Know what you're signing up for before you go in and then just go kill it. Rich, thank you. Yeah, that's it, man. Go out and try for it and do your thing. Thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Keep keep crushing it on the broadcast. Thank you so much for the time. I know you're super busy. Thank you for doing it. And looking forward to watching some more games and connecting with you again soon. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, I, I appreciate you giving me the chance to kind of walk a little bit down memory lane here. So thanks very much.